Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Welcome to the OMG Strike Zone live here. Brian Fulford and joining me is Marcus Green filling in for Kelvin Roser, who's a little under the weather today and soon to be joining us will be Kofi Hemingway as well, who's, uh, you know, dealing with a few things, trying to get his his uh, his night started for as it relates to us. But uh, we bring in Marcus. Marcus, how you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm no Kelvin. I'll do my best, but I'm doing good today. Hey, man you you uh, you are you are the uh, the uh, the. I, I hate to I hate to make it, you, look. You're you're a part of this team. You're a part of this. You know you. It's no longer just the triumvirate. You know it's a. Uh, it's like the uh, the. I don't I don't know what uh, what good analogy I could come up with. You know the, the a good four man band. So. You know, you just come up with a good name and that's who we are. And you make up you make up that fourth person as, of course, you do have the distinction of being the first, quote unquote, guest at that time to uh, join the show. You know, when I went back and looked at the logs, you, you were that first person to come join us. And then uh, then you decided to stick around. So, man, I, I'm forever grateful to you for that. Um, yeah. Well, so. You. Yeah, yeah, we got a we got a lot of stuff going on today with the show. So wanna wanna thank everybody for watching and tuning in. Now, hopefully, Rattler Nation, that you you got a two screen setup going on because as we found out, breaking news earlier this afternoon, the National Alumni Association decided to uh, have a town. You know, I, I love the coordination and the timing. Be- better late, better better. <laughs> Better that it happened than me being bitch and complain about the timing, right? So I'm not going to do that on this. I'll just say I'm glad it's happening. But they are having a town hall meeting with Dr. Robinson. So uh, now who – hey, look, folks, that could be where Kofi is. I'll be honest, you know, because that could be where he is. You know, Uh, no, that is not – Kelvin is legitimately under the weather. So he's not – although, you know, we didn't put him on assignment – to go cover that, but uh, let's just say it's recommended that you be on two screens. And so we're interested, mm-hmm. and with bated breath, we will be waiting to see how Dr. Robinson addresses uh, the good and bad of this week, Marcus, because it definitely has been 
an up and down week in terms of good news, WTF news. I, you know, I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's just like, you know, I just better categorize it as the WTF news. So um, before we before we get into that, I want to remind everybody uh, who's watching us on Facebook and on YouTube to um, go ahead and and make sure that you hit the like button and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching us on wherever you're watching us at Facebook or on YouTube, make sure you've uh, gone ahead and done so and subscribe to the Jericho broadcast networks uh, or the black college sports network or the ONG on Facebook and even on Twitter, wherever you're watching us, make sure you go ahead, like uh, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at ONG strike zone is where we're at. Download the Jericho broadcast networks app. On your Google or Apple Play Store, just search my JBN, my BCSN, and you'll find it. You can catch all of the shows. Again, want to thank everybody for the comments and for watching our nearly six hours of coverage at SWAC Media Day last week. And I, Marcus, I tell you, I am still, still recovering from from that uh, from that. Uh, from that uh, swack media day. So, and it looks like we got Kofi in the house. Kofi, Kofi, good to see you. How you doing, my man? Hey, my brother, how are you? Man, we're blessed. Looking good, doing good. Uh, how, how are you in good spirits? How you feeling? I'm doing good, man. You know, it's it's been uh, one, of those, one of those days, weeks, et cetera. So we're good. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I feel that totally. So, uh, you know, as I was telling people, we got a lot going on around us uh, as it relates to FAMU. We got a lot to talk about as we are officially 31 days before the start of the season. Week zero on August 29th against North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh, 31 days. Camp opens in two days. For the fellas, so uh, you know, the, there's a lot to talk about, and then of course, uh, Dr. Rob, uh, the National Alumni Association having their town hall meeting with Dr. Robinson. Now, uh, no confirmation that uh, that Dr. Robinson requested this time slot to uh, to try to take away some viewership, uh, but but you know, now, I think he requested it so Kofi wouldn't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's- that's what it is, right there. So. We 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 know he'll be busy. We know he'll be busy at eight o'clock. So we we'll go ahead and do it at that time. So yeah, that that sounds real good. Hey, want to give a shout out to everybody in the uh, in the chat rooms uh, already loaded up. A lot of people already tuned in watching. Man, appreciate all you folks in there. Uh, of course, Tamra T, first one in the building. T Dos, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about. You know, well, I, maybe not on this show, but if it if I ever, as I said on another show, if there's ever a time when I'm rooting for the Wildcats, it's on it's uh, it's October 15th. And I'm, I'm hunting down more information in regarding that game against Jackson State. We'll talk more about that another time. Mary 305, Maureen Wilson, Howard, Melissa Wilson, Dr. Lori's moderator. We'll be talking with Dr. Lori and a little feature will come up at the bottom of the hour. We've got a couple of alumni that we're going to be spotlighting. Uh, you know, we, we may try to do this in season two. We may try to do a uh, an alumni 
business spotlight kind of thing. So we've got Dr. Lori coming on, talking to us. And then we have Mike Road Dog Reed talking to us as well at the bottom of the hour. Um, of course, as we mentioned last week, Dr. Lori's got her book signing and her book going on sale next month. And of course, uh, Mike Reed with the uh, with the travel travel packages and, and, and everything like that. So gives us a chance and, and two very active alums. So that uh, what a great time to kind of talk with them. But guys, let's get into talking about the SWAC Media Day, which uh, from the from last week, there were over 200 media members at this event. And, you know, I, hopefully you guys have been able to see from the various media coverage that was there. Uh, everyone, you know, besides the Black College Sports Network, you know, uh, Roland Martin showed up. Uh, you had um, quite a few of the, the regulars from the HBCU uh, media landscape from uh, game day, HBCU sports, um, uh, Black College Experience was there, Legends, HBCU Legends was there. So, I mean, uh, a, a lot of a lot of familiar faces was in the building. Um, what are your impressions or maybe, you know, before we get into more specifics, general impressions from SWAC Media Day, Marcus, and then I'll come over to you, Kofi. I thought it went pretty well. It seems like all the excitement carried over. And just to see all the outlets that were publishing their content, requesting interviews, and just the general excitement of it based on everything that happened last year from Coach Prime, from FAMU, and then all the offseason, the basic transfer portal blitz. You know, you had a lot of people interested for many different reasons. Of course, our outlets outlets want to get it out to our people, but then you have non-traditional outlets having coverage there because of Coach Prime, because of the excitement, because of everything that's going on with the Slack, and there's nothing but positive. So I loved it. Mm-hmm. What uh, what about you, Kofi? What are some of your, your takeaways from Swag Media Day? They ain't have my boy Scotty up in there. That's what that... <laughs> Let me just no, but for real. Uh other than that, um Well he was off he was yeah. off covering the SEC, so you know, he I guess he didn't have time. Yeah, he was doing swag. some big things. He was doing some big things, but let yeah, me just you say know. I think that I think that the Swag Media Day um is growing i'm grateful for someone like uh, a deon sanders that's bringing awareness to hbcu football in a um in a positive way um we would not have had that measure of coverage without him and um i want to say you know i'm i'm really excited about the season and what is to come i think uh if we can take this moment and really begin to capitalize on um the outstanding coverage that we're getting, the interest level that we're getting, I think that the sky's definitely the limits. Um, uh, this year, we got to see some wins, though, with our interconference play. And I think that once we do that, it's going to be on and popping. I think that that's going to send a message really to the rest of the the entire world that the SWAC is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if, if you think about the SWAC now, you have a league that has four – coaches with NFL background, you know, uh, coming from just one year where you had Coach Prime. Now you move into a year where you have Eddie Robinson Jr. 
you have Q uh, Jackson, and you have Bubba McDowell. And, you know, listening and coming away and talking to those guys, um, there is, uh, and I think those were, and then, and then, you know, those guys, those guys really bring a level of confidence um, and, and coolness to the swag that, you know, I, I think it, you know, it's hard to say if this is, Look, let's. We'll give credit to to Coach Prime. Oh, we'll give credit to Coach Prime. Uh, you know, who knows? I I think the SWAC was in an upward trajectory even prior to him coming on board. I think it just elevated. And what I some of the things that I like hearing was in talking to the commissioner is hearing things about the type of revenue payouts that schools received. Um, you know, if you go back and think about, for example, if you go back to when the uh, during the I think this was early June, if you go back to the budgets and the athletic department's presentation to the board of trustees, they only estimated. And Kelvin, I know Kelvin's in the inner chat room, so maybe you can hit me with the actual number that they estimated. I know they only estimated less than one hundred thousand or right about one hundred thousand in terms of contribution from the swag. Well, then we learned that no team from this past season will receive less than, uh, I think that was about 700, 750,000. Uh, actually, it may have been 500,000. But I, I really think the number was more like 750 from what I heard, uh, which is outstanding. And Dr. McClellan said it puts the swag as, I think, the number three in terms of distribution. Now the SWAC does incentive programs where based on your academic uh, perf athletic performances on the field, some of the incentives that you get for going to the, the take home from the SWAC championship game, from the uh, celebration bowl, all of those things go into a school's pocket. For example, Jackson state pulled in $3.2 million. So when you talk about how important this season is for FAMU, getting to a SWAC championship, hosting a SWAC championship possibly, and even getting to the Celebration Bowl, that is a financial windfall like none other that we've experienced. I mean, that's a, that's an opportunity to bring home a couple of million dollars, you know. So the opportunity and, and so the opportunities there. That's some of the things that I that I loved hearing from uh dr mcclellan and it, it's only going to get bigger so the the uh the amount of monies that schools are going to receive is only going to get better um let's go to some of the predicted order finish here in case you missed it now i don't know if you guys caught this um on our show last week you know, we all predicted FAMU to win the East. Uh, I think I was the only person who had Alcorn winning the West. The rest of you guys picked Southern. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, on one side of the bracket, on one side, actually, on the Western side, that was sort of the script that a lot of people went with. Um, in actuality, the predicted order of finish According to the conference, uh, ADs and coaches, they predicted Southern to win the West with 111 points and 11 first place votes. Alcorn State 
only finished in second by one point. They had five first place votes. Prairie View, which was really a surprise to a lot of people that we talked, especially a lot of the media members, they finished in third, but they received five first place votes. Mm. That that shocked a lot of people. Uh, I don't think it should shock people, though. It shouldn't shock people. Why? Because, A, they made it to the SWAT championship game last year. Um, Different coach. They got a number of of strong returning people that are, I'm sorry, players that are coming back on defense, a lot of skill position coming back on offense. And, again, they could run the ball. They really were in that the, the championship game. They were in position to win that game. But they gave up a raggedy kickoff return for a touchdown, and they gave an interception, a pick six for a touchdown, and they missed their opportunities to score when they had the when they had the opportunities to do so. Um, but it was there for the taking. I just think that, you know, by and large, I think uh, some of what they had with the game plan was a little bit flawed. But they were they were right there to take that game. They make the mistakes that South Carolina State did not make. Well, it's funny you mention that because that 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 was a that was a thought of some people that, you know, the fact that Southern with Eric Dooley going over to Southern finishing at first it, is 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 people are people picking Southern because of Dooley and are the no, people picking Purdue A&M because Dooley left. That was one of the no. that was one of those side points that people were talking about. I don't I don't think it's that. I think it's the fact that um Southern Dooley is at Southern, but they picked up a lot of talent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they picked up a ton mm-hmm. of talent from a team that that's another team that should have beaten Jackson State. Um they literally they were in the game, in the ball game against us. Till the last eight minutes of the game, you know. I don't know. Um, no. they, they, weren't in, they weren't in that ball game. They weren't in that no. ball I mean, game. They were, they were, they were whooping us at first. They, they were whooping were, us at they first. They were ahead, and then we had, we took the lead at halftime, and then they didn't really cross uh, midfield in the second half. But their defense, I mean, what was it, like eight plays for us to – yeah. Score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Like one to get one touchdown. That was play. I thought that was I thought play calling. I never thought Southern was really. I mean, yes, they had a couple of good drives, Southern but I didn't think boys. Southern. I didn't think Southern was in that. If I didn't think I didn't have any fear this. of Southern in that game against us. Let me say this: They obviously for me, if you let an interim coach beat you, home or away, you need to be beat, especially with the squad that we had. But it's a rivalry game, and they've got Southern always has talent. They've upgraded the talent. They have a legitimate head coach who will be responsible mm-hmm. for making game in-game decisions. And, again, they were a play away from beating Jackson State. Like, they had that game. Hands down, they had that game. And they should have won that game. Now, Prairie yeah, they let them up to sleep. Prairie View kicked them to sleep for their homecoming, but that homecoming game is always a doozy, especially when you have a big homecoming and your football players get distracted and you have an inexperienced head coach, which is what Southern had last year. They will not have that issue this year. Okay, okay. Uh, now, you got to add the Dooley factor. 
I mean, it may not be the only reason to take him over the top, but you got to add an experienced coach, the historical, um, I guess the historic history of Southern always being in there in the hunt, having a good team. And then you add an experienced coach coming over from a team that just went to the championship game last year. You know, I mean, I, I mean, that's pretty much why I picked them based on their talent acquisition, the new coach coming over and having had a championship experience. And just the fact that last year was kind of a down year for Southern. I mean, I don't, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, they lost their coach was, mid spring. Yeah. Look, here's what's interesting about the West and talking to the people who cover, you know, Southern, Alcorn, Prairie View, none of them felt confident like if they had a vote, I don't think they would have vo- they would have voted their team with one of those first place votes. So, I mean, you know, the, the talking to Carlos Brown, uh, he was a little apprehensive that Southern was predicted first. Uh, Charles Edmond of Alcorn State, with, without knowing the quarterback, quite knowing what the quarterback situation is going to look like at Alcorn, that's the unsure factor for Alcorn. And in Prairie View, you know, Mike Washington, they, he covers Prairie View. Uh, he too surprise at the five first place votes. So I think the West is wide open with, with respect to those four teams. And then the fact that the team that a lot of people love Texas Southern was picked last. I mean, there were, there were a couple people uh, from, from our crew that picked Texas Southern as high as I think maybe third. So there, you know, look, I had Texas, I've got Texas Southern finishing Four and four. Well, it's crazy. You think it's crazy? Really? That they were the youngest team last year. Uh, I think they had the most freshmen. Oh, they I were the youngest team in college. On point. Uh, I think your which pick one? Was on point. Oh, Alcorn. No, no, no. Texas Southern. Oh, Texas, Texas Southern. Southern. Okay. Yeah, Texas Southern could could sneak and win the West. I don't think they'll do it, but they could. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a. I I don't think this is the quite the year. I I think I think for Texas Southern, if they can finish at five hundred on the season, I think that would be a plus for the program. You know, and, and the question is, who are they going to catch? You know, like last year where they had a lead going into the fourth quarter against Jackson State, can they finish the deal? You know what I'm saying? That that's what teams are looking for you know, uh, from Texas Southern this year and, and how big of a leap is Andrew body going to make for that, uh, for that team. So if he that, makes the lead, the, if yeah, Andrew body makes the, the lead, if he makes the lead, it's over. Cause he was, he was lights out last year as a freshman. He beat Southern as a freshman. Yeah. If yeah. I, I think lead, it's over. Hey, look, the, qu- the, quarter- the quarterback play in the swag. And it, and I'm going to, this is the year after a you know, a was such a, such a, such a unicorn. Uh, I think now you really have several play callers, which could have some really dynamic seasons. Uh, again, I think the truth test will be what we see early in September especially in the non-conference games. Some of these schools have some very interesting non-conference matchups. And I think that's where, you know, the separation 
and the confidence will come. You know, for example, I, I'll bring it home for FAMU. You know, we want to see Rashawn McKay look good against UNC. We want to see him look good to open the game against Jackson State. We want him to look good against Albany State. Those are going to be three tough defenses, and we we want to see him do well. And I think if he does look well, that will, A, be a positive sign. We'll have a couple of wins, maybe even three wins. I, you know, who knows? But that, that'll be a positive sign going forward for FAMU. Um let me jump over to the east side. Jump over to the east side real quick. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. Among the nine people in the BCSN family that were there, I was literally the lone wolf. I mean, like, oh, the lone wolf that picked FAMU. The, the lone right. rattler, the lone wolf, whatever. Everybody, even my fellow alum, our fellow alum, A.D. Drew, picked – uh, Jackson State. I told him I'm giving hell for that. Pick Jack now. Pick Jack. Everybody pick Jackson State. Now, look, I get it, you know. But when you look at e- even the SWAT media, SWAT media, uh, SWAT coaches, they pick 12 first place votes. Jackson State in first. FAMU comes in second with seven first place votes. Alabama A&M third with two. Alabama State with one. Bethune-Cookman comes in fourth. Valley comes in sixth. Uh, guys, how crazy am I? How crazy are they? Now, I know, you know, of course, you guys, <laughs> like me, we pick FAMU, but are yeah. you surprised that nobody else, nobody picked no, because FAMU? They don't trust. they don't trust McKay. They think that McKay is they – and they don't know what we have in Musa. But they can go – I mean – in terms of quarterback play, that's what largely determines your championship pedigree. Shadur uh, showed a lot last year going into his second year, you know, but, hey, pick Jackson State, please. Continue to pick Jackson State. Put money on Jackson State, please. <laughs> no, I'm surprised, Brian. Put, put money on Jackson State. Yeah. Put now, I'm surprised that you were the only one. I thought there would have been a couple. It, right. I, yeah. I can understand. I can understand the logic. And when you look at, I mean, I guess, what is it? Stereotypically, the preseason picks kind of follow follow yes. the last the way things ended the previous the season. Now, I know in, a, year, in yeah. a Swag West, it doesn't match up. But the Swag West coach switched. The coaching, teams, but, his, yeah, they were like all four – uh, did all four of them change? Yeah, all four of the top changed. Grambling, Southern, Prairie View, except for Alcorn. Alcorn was the only one of the four who didn't have a new mm-hmm. coach. Yeah, and so, like, the winning championship coach last year switched teams in the conference or in the division, and now his team got preseason number one. But you look at – I mean, you look at the East. I was, I was looking at it. It's like, okay, FAMU and Jackson State and Valley – well, I don't know, maybe not even Valley, but at least FAMU and Jackson State are returning starters from last year. Everybody else looks like they'll be breaking in new QBs. So mm-hmm. that could also have an impact on how they voted them. I mean, you know, they got some transfers coming in, but, you know, you never know what you're going to get with the transfer, and you've got returning starters for the top two teams in the East. You've got the backfield for Akil coming to Alabama A&M. you got – Alabama State, I think they got the transfer from Auburn. 
who was a, I think, a quarterback for Galena North Shore a couple of years ago was like a ninth or tenth grader and won them a state title. So he's got talent. Bethune, I'm not sure who they have a quarterback. I know they're returning at least one guy, but I think they have a transfer. And Valley they have two transfers. Two transfers. And Valley uh, got the, the number one Juco QB, but I don't know if they're returning the guy from last year or if he left, but they have Caleb Johnson at running back. But you look at the top two teams in terms – for the East, you know, that's pretty much a no-brainer. You just kind of flip a coin and see which one you like is coming out of the East. Hmm. Yeah, well, look, I again, I, I, I'm, I'll be that you lone held wolf. It down. You held yeah, it I down, though. It. I appreciate it. I again, we we what three hundred and thirty something days. It's almost coming to an end, fellas. Three hundred and thirty something days we've had to listen to Jackson State uh, rub that game into our face. So uh, it's all it's coming to an end. The days are getting shorter. Uh, the nights are getting uh, longer. And look, we're we're almost there. So uh, let's get ready to take a break. In the next segment, we'll come back to talking about the SWAT and we'll, and we'll mention some of the uh, preseason awards, uh, the several Rattlers who ended up on some uh, of the honorees or recognized on the preseason teams. But we're going to pivot to alumni spotlights coming up. On the other half, we're going to talk to Dr. Lori Wilson, and then we're going to also talk to Mike Road Dog reed uh, We'll talk to them coming up here on the other side. You're watching ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting theurbannerdcon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Whether it's advice on managing your anxiety or tools to help you stay grounded, Coping 19 provides a range of resources and self-care tips to help you cope with this pandemic. We can help. Find the resources that work best for you at coping-19.org. Itchy. Squirmy. Scratchy. 
family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Welcome back to the OMG Strike Zone. Brian, Kofi, Marcus Green, somewhere in the mix. Not sure where he's at, but we'll find him. And it's a pleasure right now to be joined by our moderator in the – look, you, you, you become known as the moderator, Doc. Uh, Dr. Lori Wilson, oh. who uh, also is our moderator in the chat room. So – this might be the segment where some of y'all might get a little wild right now because you can't do everything. <laughs> you can't talk to us and manage the chat room. So, uh, hey, Doc, thanks for coming on the ONG. Uh, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? Yes, we, yes, hear, you, we hear you well. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. Hey, um, so look, you, you, you know, again, we appreciate you uh, just contributing and being a part of the show or wanting to be a part of the show. And then of course you hit me up and told me about your book and everything. So let's, I want to let, before we get into talking about that, let's, let's get a background. Let's let let people know when you were at FAMU, how you, how you got to FAMU, why FAMU? Wow. Okay. So I went to FAMU when I was 17 years old. I actually, um, from Mariana, Florida, and um, I was in a high school that was predominantly white. So um, it was my first choice to want to go to FAM. I don't even think I even applied to another school. So um, I actually went to FAMU in 1983. <laughs> I want to tell my age, but hey, 1983. And it was one of the best decisions that I could have made in my entire life because I was able to see more um, progressive black people who were striving to end their craft. And I had never seen that before. My father um, was deaf, um, military and we lived in various areas and we was predominantly white people. And I never saw black people that were so intelligent, were so progressive. And Sam, you provided that for me. So actually, it molded me because, like I said, I was 17, right? I went away um, to college at 17. So um, that's what Sam, you did for me and actually allowed me to develop the skills and the proudness of being Black. I, you know what? I Growing up a Midwest kid, I can I can totally relate to that. You know, I can understand where yeah. you come from with that. Uh, so yeah. so you you remember you remember the set when you when you used to be able to drive through the of set. Of course. Look, 
See? Of course. Man. We used to put our setology in time in. You know, so <laughs> Hold on, we lost we lost it. Okay. No, she's back. Our setology is time in. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got yeah, you now. Yeah. We got you. Okay. I'm sorry. One of my colleagues trying to call me at the wrong time. I'll call her tonight. But yeah, I know about the set because when I was 83, 88, I was a five-year um, FAMU student because I was pre-med. And so um, so I, I did my time on the set, you know, spent my time putting those hours. And, I mean, the set used to be off the chain back in the day. I mean, we used to do a party. We had a good time. So, yeah. <laughs> That's that's over here. I think the first year I got there was the first year they had closed it down. So I mean, you know, it, you it, know. It, it'll, it'll never be, it'll never be you like the old days. You Look, missed I, it. I, I, that's you what I hear. It. I hear. I hear. Look, that's what y'all, because that's one of the things all y'all old heads always talk about. They're like, man, the set back <laughs> yeah. in the day, boy. Um, oh, yeah. So how? So, back in the day. So after FAMU, uh, tell us about your professional career and and where you're mm -hmm. at now. Um, mm -hmm. in, uh, cause you are in, in, uh, Montgomery, um, yeah, right now. Yeah. So, so, so tell you, us uh, how you got there. You know, Brian, you know, um, I was just thinking today, um, about some of the questions and I'm like, oh my God, I've been practicing dentistry for like 22 years. So it has been a long haul, long journey. And um, when I was at FAMU, I always was focused on what I needed to do. And I knew that I wanted to go to medical school, but I didn't know what kind of doctor I wanted to be. And so FAMU actually put the foundation in me for me to understand some of the things that I needed to do to get there. And they helped me get there, actually. So I um, applied to Meharry. Um, after being at Tulane School of Medicine for the summer, and Tulane School of Medicine had accepted me, and it was um, for the summer, and their stipulation was, if you do good during the summer, we're gonna accept you to the medical school class. But on that Friday, we would have different doctors come in, cardiologists and all kind of different people come in, and they would talk about their profession. And one Friday, they had a dentist come in, and he said he was talking about his profession, how he could be um, with his family, and work from nine to five. He didn't have to have those hospital issues. Dentistry has changed since then because dentistry is all consuming, but that impressed me. And I had applied to Meharry, Howard, Temple, and um, New Jersey Dental School, and I got accepted to all but one. And Meharry is the one that I chose. Meharry is the Utopia um, Black Medical School of the South. Everybody that that can be there is there from UCLA, Morehouse, Spelman. We had a FAMU um, a portion too. And what impressed me is that when I got into Meharry with my FAMU background, I, me and uh, one of my girls went, we were top of the class with these UCLA people, Morehouse, Spelman, we were the top of the class in biochemistry. And so I knew then that what FAMU had done for me, it had prepared me to go into these places in which I can be just excel and just be top. So that's what happened. Um, years later, I'm practicing now because it's a long story. I've done everything in dentistry and God has been so good to me. And so now I am dental director 
of a dental clinic in Montgomery, in which we our main goal is to service HIV positive patients. But we opened the clinic up, and now I see everybody because the clinic is is located in an area when there's not a lot of access to care, like um, healthcare, like. The people in this neighborhood, they have to go way across town to see a dentist. So now we open up the clinic in which we see everybody in the community and we're able to provide that care for people who need it. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Kofi, go ahead, jump in there. Hey, so really hey. right now, tell us about, yeah, tell us about that book and, and what you have coming down the pike next. Okay, well, the book is called Black Women Women Dentists. And I wrote the book actually, Kofi, in 2014. I wrote that's when I originally wrote it. But three months ago, the publisher got in contact with me and they said, you know what, we're gonna re-release your book. And I was like, really? Yeah, really, because it was an interest. Um, and black women professionals because of the new Supreme Court. And so they was like, can you do the edits in a month? I did the edits in a week. Um, I interviewed 14 black women dentists across the country and I told their stories. And let me tell you why it was so important for me to do this. I was at VSU, uh, Virginia State University, um, HBCU, and I was doing a mom's project, which is Mission of Mercy, in which we give free dental care to people who can't afford it. And there was this young black girl that was at v- VSU, and she was like a sophomore um, biology major, and she kept staring at me. And I was like, oh, what? maybe, you know how women are like, maybe my hair is not right, or maybe my makeup. So she came over, and um, she said, I have never in my life met a black woman that's a dentist Mm. and i was like what you haven't there's so many of us that's what i thought but of course that's not true and so that conversation stayed with me and i even wrote about her in the book how that stayed with me and i just want to say you cannot emulate something that you don't see so i wanted to make sure i got this book out that I can encourage young black women, even young black males to go into the profession of dentistry. And that's why I wrote the book. And it talks of 14 women um, across the country. Nice. That's huge. Nice. <laughs> Marcus, we now, have a question for Dr. Asked, Look. Oh, go ahead. Hello, wait. Go ahead. I, I was asked how to tie this together with women's athletics at FAMU. Let me tell you how I'm going to tie that together. Okay. okay these women okay. in this book, in this book, the publisher sent me a copy. These women in this book are extraordinary. I did the edits on them. Every last woman in this book has progressed. Some of them have their own practice now. They're head of this and head of that. And even one person is a, a member of parliament uh, in Jamaica. So these women in this book are extraordinary, okay? Okay, I'm telling this to FAMU Women's Athletics because the women in the FAMU athletic teams are extraordinary. They are just phenomenal and we have to support them. And I'm gonna say a shout out, I know when I'm supposed to do this, but shout out to the four by 400 relay team um, at FAMU 1984, um, Volga Newsom, Pam Oliver, Pam Porter and Mary, well, um, Mary Jones. They're probably watching tonight. And I, I, I'm going to shout out to them because they were excellent and they smoked the swag. 
And that's what we need to get back to in all our athletics. The way Kofi has said before, that every team on FAMU campus need to be a national championship champion. And if they're not, we don't need to be in the sport. And so we have to encourage alumni to support these athletic programs. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm selling this book. And August 11th, part of the proceeds will go to Women's Athletics team at FAMU. We're working with the foundation now, trying to get that together. And so I'm going to go ahead and do my little part. I consider myself a super booster. And I'm going to try to see if I can help by giving some money from the book to the athletic programs because we no longer need to persist in mediocrity. That's not FAMU. And that's not a rat look. Every team that we have needs to be number one. And uh, we ain't selling for no number two. Every team, every, the, the women's basketball team, the men's basketball team, the softball, the golf, we need a national championship. And we're not going to settle for anything else. And that's what the, the alumni, alumni have to be. We all need to be on one assignment. And we need to get together in our collectives and give these folks the money so they can have these top, 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 top programs. I mean, when the basketball coach says she's not even having a camp, I'm like, are you kidding? We need to support these people so they can do what they need to do. So all alumni, y'all got your assignment. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Because I don't, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a rattler. I'm not mediocre. No. Amen. And I'm not Amen. settling for any type of mediocrity amen uh marcus marcus you got any questions there for dr laurie you know what i don't have a one because i don't know if i can ask a question that would top what she just said <laughs> it's, I'm, hey, it's, I'm it's, gonna have all tonight. <laughs> it's, it's it's all good dog again yeah. let's make sure we put the graphic up for the uh now the book signing so the book signing is august 10th uh at the uh at the gallery there. How do you say that? The, I, I may have butchered. Uh, I don't know if I butchered what, the name. Brian, uh, Brian did you best. did a good job last time. It's called Crusoe <laughs> Gallery. There we go. There you did a good go. job. And this is, this is doing, this is doing Black Week. You know, people don't even understand about Martha's Vineyard. We need to learn our history. Yes. Uh, Martha's yes. Vineyard used to be a vacation place for Black people. And that week is August 6th, the second week of August, is considered Black Week. That means everybody that's Black and they mama going to be on that island. And actually, the Boston <laughs> chapter of FAMU uh, usually comes up and have a party and everything. So I'm actually going to be up there for Black Week, and I'm going to be signing the book, which I'm so excited because I just really want to get the word out about Black women dentists. And then I want to really be successful so I can donate to my um, my alma mater, which I love with all my heart. It's good, good. And oh, yeah, wow. then uh, the, the following day is when it will be available. <laughs> the following day is when it will be available on Amazon.com. And so that's, uh, that's awesome. So let's make sure everybody in the yeah. chat room, you know, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, when the, uh, when, when the book goes on sale August 11th, 
Uh, let me make, let me look at my calendar real quick. That is a, that is a Thursday. So we will get another yeah. chance to remind everybody one day after our show. So we'll be, we'll be reminding everybody, um, you know, Dr. Lloyd, you may have, I don't know if you're going to be, well, no, you're not going to be doing the book signing at night, but anyway, uh, we'll, you'll have to send us, uh, <laughs> maybe a couple of pictures, uh, from the it's book signing. So that way, so that way we can, sure. uh, do one more, one more reminder to on the next day uh to let everybody know to go yeah. to go no get the problem book, uh, now they no can problem. they can and, order and, the book on know, amazon and, um, right yeah yes. it's gonna be on amazon it's twelve fifty. so um trying to work out um uh, how much we're gonna donate to the athletic programs um, um women's program um but i like i said we need to support all programs at FAMU. but one thing i want to say about the book is that it's not a coffee table book Okay, it's not something because it's beautiful pictures of beautiful women that practice dentistry, but it is not a coffee table book. It's actually a book that I really would want you to read and learn more about the profession of dentistry and how it's so important to have a dentist that looks like you. I mean, all your doctors should be black. Okay, mm. you need to try mm. to really get somebody who looks like you, and it tells the importance of um, blacks in dentistry. You know, let me give you the stats. No, we're going to end soon. There's 187,000 practicing dentists in the United States. The majority of them are black. I mean, are white males. Only less than four percent of the practicing dentists in the United States are black. And so that's roughly 7,000 black people practicing dentistry, okay? 7,000, and out of that 7,000, about close to 3,000 are black women. And why do you say, well, Dr. Wilson, why that's so important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because you want somebody, when you go to the doctor, who is culturally sensitive to what your needs are, and we've been mm. trained like that, okay? That's why you it, it's so important. Also, let me tell you this. 60% of black people are treated by the black dentist. 10% um, ca Caucasian. I think it's 11% Asian. And this all is in, in my book. I did the research. And so this is important because if the black dentists go away, what does that mean? That means that if they see in 60% of the black people are people, that means that black people don't have access to care. Why do you think it takes you at least three to four weeks when you call your dentist? I went to my dentist and I, I had to wait three months. It's because there's not enough dentists to treat the U.S. population. So if all the black people that practice dentistry are no longer there, then you won't have access to care. And we are Medicaid providers. That means mostly black dentists accept Medicaid because that's what a lot of our people may have. And so it is so important that we emulate this and let other kids know, the young kids, I mentor more than one person at FAM, try to get them into a profession. Yeah, you're going to make a lot of money, but it's also something that you should do to help yourself and your people. So we well need said. to get Dr. Robinson to start a medical school and a dentist school of dentistry at Florida Agricultural <laughs> Mechanical University is what you say. Now, it's Kofi, you don't have to bring him up. 
See, I, I was about to, about to, I was about to say something. You about to mess up a good interview, cuz. Hey, uh, Doc, look, oh look, let me, let's, I like you said, so, hey, uh, real quick, Doc, uh, you got me thinking. Can you provide a link on how we can find uh, black dentists in our communities, in our cities? Uh, obviously, I'm in Orlando. I, I want to go find one now. See, you, look, I, yeah, I, I well, need I have... that. So, well, you so know yeah, we however you have a, <laughs> yes, yes. So, <laughs> Wait, how, however you can. Uh -oh. Ryan, yes. you can always yes, come to Montgomery and let me see you. <laughs> you don't have to find. You can come up here and I'm going to treat you real good. But no, I already have somebody in mind for you. He went to FAMU and he went to Meharry with me and he's in Orlando. Okay. So but um, so oh, I will definitely uh, hook you up with somebody. But yeah, Appreciate you that. can always come see me. <laughs> I, I could. I could. It's only a short ride. I, you know what? I have to, I have to make yeah. that trip. I have to make that trip. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Dr. Lurie, thank you. Calm all that foolishness down now. Look, anyway. We, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, thank you again. Put the graphic up one one more time, uh, Producer Mel, so that way people can see. They can go pre-order their book, uh, Black Women Dentists, by uh, our very own Dr. Lori Wilson, uh, available everywhere on Amazon August 11th. And if you're up in uh, Martha's Vineyard uh, that week, Black Week, Make sure you stop over at the Coosin Gallery in Oak Bluffs and go say hi. Uh, all right, um, thank you, Doc. Now uh, you may have to go. You may have to do. You may have to do some policing in the chat room now that you've been out of here because they might have gotten wild okay. over the last few minutes. Thank you. Let's go. Okay. okay bye. <laughs> Great job. Uh, now let's transition to our other alumni spotlight here. Uh, as we go over to Mike Road Dog Reed, uh, Mike uh, has has had a successful travel uh, agency that he has been chartering and creating travel packages for FAMU alumni. Just how about sports fans, FAMU alumni, especially anybody who's in the uh, Central Florida, Tampa region, Tallahassee, South Florida. Uh, Mike does a great job in uh, in in covering and, and making opportunities available. Mike, how you doing, Road Dog? Oh man, how are you guys doing, man? That was just a great interview that you just, guys just had, and I'm glad you brought up to Dr. Wilson that she needs to create a directory of, of black dentists. Now, granted, my dentist is black here in 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 Tampa, but if there's yeah. a cute little you know, there's a cute female dentist here in Tampa, Florida. I, I may go take my Medicaid, you know. <laughs> I may take my benefits over to a nice young lady. I, you know. I'll, I'll put, put in a the word with no, but I, look, look, Mike already tried to tell me. Look, he, Mike was already like, "Hey, you guys may have to be on the look." I don't have, we don't have no delays, so don't get too crazy with it. Uh, but it's good to have Mike on. Uh, yes, yes. Hey, um, Mike, let people. Let's let's get update that director. Yeah, yes, 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 definitely. Definitely. We, we want to do we want to do more of that. Uh, hey, mm -hmm. so, Mike, let people know. Let's start here with the first basics. Uh, let people know when you when you were at FAM, uh, what you know, what why FAM you and, uh, and and, you know, how you got into creating travel 
packages and opportunities like that that you've been doing for 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 decades really several years as long as i've known you for 20 something years i knew it was i knew it was something like that yeah so let's go ahead give us the background well like i say i am a 1984 grad uh school school sbi got got interested in fam actually in april of 81. i was at the time i was a student at pace university in New York City. And just one day, everything that could have gone wrong coming home from Pace University went wrong. If you've ever been on New York subway and you've ever gotten stuck in the tunnels going between Manhattan and Queens and you know you get stuck in there and you're packed on top of people and you're stuck and the air conditioner goes off, oh, it is a terrible situation. Once you get home, once you get to Queens, you have to take usually have to take a bus. Well, at the time, there was there used to be these like shuttle buses, or like like shuttle vans. These guys were very crafty and creative, and they used to do the vans. Now they weren't necessarily legal vans, you know, with the city, <laughs> but, but you know these these guys were enterprising, driven. So you know they they used to do the routes. So that day I get in that van, we get in an accident. Mm. Okay, so, you know, the police come and all that kind of stuff. And because you're in a van that you're not supposed to be in, everybody in the van gets a ticket, you know, citation and all this kind of stuff. So long story short, what normally would take take me an hour to come from Pace University, it took me the entire evening. So I came home that night and I told my mother, I was like, Mom, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going, I'm going somewhere to college next semester because at the time I'm in New York, uh, Pace University, Great Wall Street Commuter School. My next door neighbor, he was at Howard University. My homeboy down the block, he was at North Carolina A&T. My other homeboy around the corner, he was at Tuskegee. So, you know, they're coming home with all these great stories about, you know, time on the yard and this, that, and the other. Look, I was commuting, going to school, and I was working at uh, JFK Airport, working in the restaurant. So that, that was my existence for, for, for the time. So when I told my mother I was leaving, she was like, well, I've been waiting for you to leave for like the past two years, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you finally came up with it. So the, the college handbook that I had at the time when I graduated, from high school, I just flipped it over. It landed at a college called Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. And I just started reading, you know, reading what was going on. I'm like, hmm, Florida. I'm like, it doesn't snow in Florida, <laughs> you know, to the best of my knowledge. And I'm like, look, I don't really know anybody in Florida. I could go down there and cut the food and do whatever I want to do like my friends are doing everywhere else, nobody's going to know. So that next week, I called the school. And long story short, they sent me applications and this, that, and the other. And during that time between April and August, I started receiving phone calls from SBI students. And I'm like, who, who are these people and how they get my number? So apparently Dr. Mobley was put in the press on me because she's 
having kids who are interning where I'm going to school. I'm like, yeah, I'm here at Price Waterhouse or I'm at Arthur Anderson and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys are interning and here I am trying to get on <laughs> down there at Pace University. I'm right down here on Wall Street University and these guys are already there. So, you know, like I say, I got, I don't want to say got pulled in and then there was what, what some people don't realize, there was this that fam used to have that had this, this picture of, it seemed like the kids were on the beach, <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm thinking it's like, you know, clam bake and all this kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> you know, so I, I literally in, in my closet here, I have the same Frisbee that I took to fam in 1981. It's still in my footlocker because I'm under the impression that as soon as I get out of class, we're going to be at the beach, like the beach pole, you know, get to Tallahassee. There's not a body of water for like an hour, you know. So I'm like, but, but you know, long story short, when I got the fam, it was the best time of my life. When I got the fam in August of 81, I had so much fun. My mom didn't hear from me until like Halloween. <laughs> you know, by, by that time, I had already been to Miami. I'd been one or two places. My roommate at the time, he was in the band. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning about the band and the patch. Cause like I say, I'm from New York. I didn't know anything about the Marching 100 till I got to, got to town. But like I say, long story short, it's been the best 41 years of my life, you know, and you know, like I say, that it, it, it's uh, like I say, it's indescribable. The, the love and loyalty that I have for my alma mater, which is why I, you know, sometimes you guys see hear some of my conversations. You know, in some it's of these chat it's rooms, love. We know. Yeah, it, we, it's we, passion. We know. Passion. Yeah, yeah there you go. Passion. That's the word. Passion. Yeah, passion. there it is. Call it so, um, um, yeah, so I like, yeah, I got to Tampa. You know, graduated 84, went home for five years. Well, actually, was supposed to go home for a month. One month turned into five years. But then after five years, I just decided to leave New York and decided to come to Tampa and have been here in Tampa since March of 89. Don't like I say, I, I, I barely go home during any month that has a letter R in it. So the the first now, of course, the travel packages and things that you put together now, real quick, can you recall mm -hmm. the very first one you put together was was when and to where? Oh, that was in the first one for fam was in 92 when uh, with all, all due respect to Dr. Humphreys, he saved he saved my job. Well, not saved my job. But he saved my, my company when they started playing the, the classic in Atlanta. So, yep. like I say, I used to do uh, shopping trips to Miami, you know, uh, cruises, the one-day cruises, the gambling cruises and so forth that were proliferating through the state. But when Dr. Humphreys and them started the Atlanta Classic, oh, it was on then. You know, instead of just going to Tallahassee, yeah, now we had some place to go. So now you get, you know, this is in the early 90s. When, when you had the proliferation of the classics, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about us needing to bring them back, because those things were not just games in the city, these things were community engagements for, for not just the, the city, but for our alums who don't normally come to Tallahassee. 
So, like I say, I started with Atlanta. Then, as other games came about, Circle City Classic, uh, like I say, Orange Blossom Classics and so forth. So we we used to try to keep up with what was, you know, the pulse of HBCU football at the time. You know, used to mix in the Buccaneers because at that time the Bucks once, you know, shout out to Tony Dungy. He made the Bucks relevant. So started incorporating the Buccaneers into that as well. So, yeah, the 90s were a pretty great time. And like I say, we, we were relevant in the 90s as well. So it was it was a very easy sell. Right, right. Um, I think we – Marcus, question. Go ahead. Jump in there. Ask, some, ask, ask a question or two for uh, Mike. What you got? No, you know, Mike and I have had a lot of conversations, not on here, but on our, our friendly little little chat board. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how do you or how would you balance between the classics or, or sending games out for a classic format and also home games that aren't that are relegating home games to some maybe our, our opponents that don't quite have the marquee name? Well, I, to to your point, you're you're right. There is a happy medium between the home games and the need for, I want to say, exposure. See, I, I look at classics as not only an an avenue to bring bring further engagement to our alums who don't live in Tallahassee or live in the state of Florida, or even the Southeast region at at all, because, like I say, we may have three four thousand season ticket holders right now have we done any you know analytics or data research to find out where are they you know are they in jacksonville or you know what concentration is in tallahassee what concentration is here in tampa central florida south florida you know it's it's my belief that we have more people who would buy into what we need what we need to take care of in tallahassee if you gave me at least one game a year, someplace I really want to go, be it Miami, be it Atlanta, be it Indianapolis, be it Las Vegas, be it, you know, you give me one game a year, I'll pay you. I'll, I'll pay you more money than you're currently asking for, for your, for your season ticket. I, I'll give you more money if you take me somewhere I, I really want to have a good time. Don't don't get me wrong. I love the city of Tallahassee. But three hundred dollars for the La Quinta? Do that. You're asking a lot. <laughs> okay, I'm, you know, let, let me see. The words expressed are those of Michael Reed and not of any one association. Okay, this is all right. This, this is just me talking. You gave me the mic, mm-hmm. and I, t- I said I'd just keep it light and tight. You know. But um, when when people are saying, well, it costs so much, I'm like, okay, it costs so much to go to Chicago. It costs so much to go to Las Vegas. Well, heck, I'm paying $300 to be in Tallahassee and, and quiet as kept. There are a lot of people on the other side of Game Street wearing garden gold that aren't all that enamored with paying $300 for La Quinta either. So, you know, you but- add to it that, you know, Tallahassee is, is I don't want to say it's pricing itself out, but when you have... $300 night rooms. You have three conflicts this year with Florida State, yeah. one including homecoming. Yeah. You know, and then you add 
a $9.99 offer to watch all of our games at home. You know, you 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 got to offer people something to to make them, you know, to, to give them their a value. Here, let me let me add this, and I think this is interesting that you brought this up, that question up, Marcus and Mike, uh, with your response because I heard it discussed today. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the latest scuttlebutt between Georgia and Florida as it relates to Jacksonville, and you know. There's at least from one side talks about, hey, why don't we move this back to uh, our stadium? And it's all surrounding. It's all about the, the these coaches wanting to impress and recruit because of the advantage of being at and showcasing out their facilities. Now, despite what we, you know, don't have completely at FAMU, it's better than what it was. But we do have a great atmosphere at Bragg. I mean, you, if you went to homecoming, you know what it's like. If you went to the Southern game the year before, you know. <clears throat> Those were big recruiting days for Coach Simmons and Coach Riz now, who's over uh, recruiting. They capitalized big time on those days. And so as we talk about moving games away from Tallahassee, remember back in the day, we, we were like, we wanted more games because we were like, you know, we only got three or we only had three home games, but I understand why we, look, I I came to FAMU because of the circle city classic. So I understand the importance of classics and what it did for HBCUs in communities like in the Midwest. Okay. But now you seem uh, a see an era where recruiting and coaches are really wanting more games, more opportunities to showcase that home base. And so when we when we say, well, why isn't athletics moving on this, and why isn't the president moving on that? It it could be based on that factor of, hey, we have such a great thing here on campus. Let's show more of that. Now, yeah, I get the whole pricing out and some of the other stuff about Tallahassee, but you can't, you can't match. You can't take a kid to the Atlanta Classic. You can't take a kid to the OBC and show him what it's like to be in Tallahassee at Bragg Stadium on game day. He'll, you know what I'm saying? It's two different atmospheres. So mm-hmm. uh, quick, quickly, Mike, what your, your take on that as you, as you, for, from the, from that aspect or from that per, uh, perspective, what's your thoughts? No, well, while I, I totally agree with you about the home game atmosphere, the home game atmosphere isn't isn't going to generate any money from the alum who's living in Chicago or the alums who lives in New York or Ohio and things of that nature. That's not endearing me to want to just contribute just because. See that, you know, back in the day, just because marketing pulled on heartstrings and it worked. But right now, like I say, you you got the person I call affectionately call Mickey Rat offering nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month to watch everybody's game. I can watch Southern, I can watch AT, I can watch us every week for just nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month. So my, my 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 challenge is what are you what are we not gonna offer the new generation, you know, the new alum, the new new jack alums? that's going to encourage them to buy into coming into Tallahassee more than once. 
So, you know, like, like you say, we, 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 we like to have that atmosphere. And, and for what it's worth, we've got enough games. Or my belief is we've got enough games annually where we can take one game somewhere and make some mutual money with that other team, be it, you know, okay, Jackson State, okay, we're, we're in Miami with them this year. I don't know if we're in, in Miami with them again next year. But if not, yeah, Jackson State is to me, is too big a game to put in to play in Tallahassee. But but are we are we trying to are we trying to generate money? We're trying to generate, you know, eyeballs. Are we trying to generate, you know, recruiting with that game? I mean, I understand that, but the economics of what we're dealing with. We've got to look at trying to reach people who have no intention of coming to Tallahassee. How do we get them to buy into what we need done in Tallahassee without necessarily coming to Tallahassee? And that, that's that's my belief that if you took one game a year and we go to Atlanta or we go to Las Vegas or we go to SoFi Arena, that, that new barn they got out there in Los Angeles, I think you could get more, you could garner more revenue from folks who will never possibly set foot in Tallahassee or the state of Florida. Hmm. You get you get that money from them, you know, it adds up. I would say I'm only saying I'm only asking one game a year. I'm not saying, you know, that we we become globetrotters like the you know Boston Shamrocks or nothing like that. (laughs) You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, look, I think there's one. We could go one. We could go with one national classic a year. We pick a game, and that's the game that we focus on. In addition to taking care of the home. So now, love, now I, that we, like that. you know, I'll talk about the home. We've also got to do something with that barn that we have. Now, granted, you know, we're putting up a nice little erector set for the president and the press box. But you got some fly alums out here. They don't want to be just sitting out there roasting in the end zone, in the northern end zone. You know, like say, eyelashes and weave cost a lot to be melted. Let's talk. Girls want to be cute, but they don't want to be dripping and you know, stuff falling off, you know. Kofi, go ahead. Kofi, jump in. Jump in there. Come on, Kofi. Yeah, it's time to look at that north end zone. People know I've been talking. Look, you've got to. We've got the retrofit brag for 2025 and beyond. That means we need to start looking at adding suites around the top or the bottom. We need to do, you know, like the top golf type of arrangement in that north end zone. The, the football team and all the guys, you know, all that alums, you got the top of that club, the, the field house. We can put something, you know, that, that, that picture that uh, Mr. Overton left us has been sticking in a lot of y'all's minds. It's time to upgrade that, and it's time for it's time for us as alums to come up with enough initiatives that we all can buy into collectively to take care of home. Well, I want to say, obviously, my brother Mike and I have also had a ton of conversations, <laughs> uh, and this is along the lines of what we talk about all the time. I will say we already know that uh, – you know, obviously, um, who we put in the seat as AD is going to have a lot 
to do with the direction of the program, uh, where the game is going to go. I've been checking out the chat room. Somebody asked in general about what happened with the Atlanta game. Well, what happened with the Atlanta game is we don't have anybody in the seat with enough initiative, and I want to say enough foresight, and enough balls basically to tell people where to go and how to do. In addition, you need know-how. Um, a few years ago, I want to say in 2018, in Willie Simmons' first year, we were scheduled to play Jackson State in Atlanta. We were scheduled to play Jackson mm -hmm. State in Atlanta. Milton Overton had uh, negotiated the game. Howsoever, um, when certain people from a certain fraternity got ruled, that the game was going to be in Atlanta, they basically sabotaged the game, sabotaged the, the promoter, sabotaged all of that stuff. And then when you asked them what was going on, then they said, well, you know, we want to give Coach Simmons the opportunity to play all of his games at home. We want the games at home. I get it, right? And you said, we want to give us that home field advantage. I get it, right? But then we lost that freaking game. And I was just sitting up there like, okay, this is ridiculous because the game only drew – 17,000 people, maybe 15, if I be honest, 15,000 people. If FAMU had played Jackson State in Atlanta that year, we would have had at least 40,000 people, at least, at least. Now, going into next year, all right, this is the big brouhaha, and this is going to be a discussion because you're talking about Deion Sanders' return to Tallahassee. Deion Sanders' return to Tallahassee with Jackson State, possibly the East being up for grabs. That will probably be the biggest home game in FAMU's history. It will probably be the one game that we'll have the opportunity maybe to have ESPN game day on, uh, or game day to be a part of. Um, that being said, uh, what we're talking about, what we're in need of is leadership that understands the economics and the power of athletics so that the right decisions can be made. FAMU obviously doesn't need to. FAMU and Jackson State don't need to go to a place like Atlanta and make only $500,000. They need to be in the million-dollar range because of what that city, the impact that's going to be, uh, that both schools are going to bring to the city. Obviously, if you get, for me, if you get a, a, a city, a promoter that can guarantee that FAMU, Jackson State, FAMU, Southern, FAMU, Tennessee State can get a guarantee of 1.5, anywhere between 750 to 1.5 mil, let's do it. But to just talk about that and then talk about the cost of the bands and the other stuff and not know what you're doing, that's going to be... That's going to be an issue straight up, you know, and I, and I think, again, mm -hmm. we're saying the same things, but I want to see for us the right people in the seat making the right decisions and people that understand if you're not an expert with it, let's hire the experts to do what they do so that we're not suffering or being at a loss, um, looking ignorant out there and like a chicken with the head cut off in a, in a spotlight that we don't. To negotiate a stadium takes uh, an understanding that many of our presidents, many of our ADs that are currently in the seat really don't have, which is how you get schools to sign the contract like they signed at the Southern Heritage Classic, making everybody look silly. And then people get mad because we want to pull out. Well, you signed the contract, smarty.
take the okay. time. I, I, told, I totally agree. I, I totally yeah, agree. I mean, I, that, we, that situation in Memphis leaves a lot to be desired, but I still believe but something can be worked out. We got to keep absolutely. that game in Memphis. I be, and, and look, and check it everybody. out. Watch this. This is how ignorant, and this is why we as alums have to stay informed. The Florida Classic was up for bid. Mm -hmm. Up for Don't bid. get me started. Don't get me started. The bro. city of Tampa <laughs> offered both schools considerably mm -hmm. more money to play the game there. But the people that made the decisions for Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University and Bethune-Cookman University decided not to put the game up for bids. Mind you, we have multiple cities in the state of Florida that are more than capable of hosting the game. Miami can host the Florida Classic. Orlando has hosted the Florida Classic. Tampa can host the Florida Classic. Jacksonville can host the Florida Classic. To not put the game up for bids is absolutely absurd, but when you have ignoramuses making decisions for your school and your athletic department that are unwilling to have the necessary discussions, you end up in the spot that we're in right now. Correct. You know, people are like, well, how do we get the erector set? The erector set is going up in breath. Well, the erector set almost wasn't the case. We almost got the stadium shut down because of the ignoramuses that we have making decisions for our school. And until we get active, until we get in the role, until we get in the flow, we're going to be in the same spot. So I'm in total agreement. Let's take a game, but let's take a game for the right price. Let's have people in position that understand what they're doing so that we don't end up just going for the sake of it and we can make some real money. Correct. We, hey, Mike. we should be going. Yes. No, go ahead. Go ahead real quick. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say to, to his point, I'm not saying let's just take a game for the sake of taking a game. When we go to these cities, we are we are leaving eight-figure money in these cities. Mm -hmm. I've always said that we need to have we need to set up up front with these with these cities and the promoters and so forth before we sell a ticket. We should be we should be talking into the millions. For for us to be coming 25 years, we've been over down the street here in Orlando for 25 years. And we still coming out with like $800,000? Come on, man. That, that, and we made $25 million. Question is, 25 years. Have we made $25 million in 25 years? Interesting I, I, I question. Just, I'm just you putting can, that out there. I'm just putting that out at, there for people. No, you, you can look on. There, there's a little paragraph in each one of our federal, our, our financial records that on, that's on our website. There's a little there's a little paragraph that says Florida Florida Classic Consortium and it tells you, you know, that like right before the last period how much we made from from being in the game. I don't know I don't know the last time it's been over a million dollars, but it should be a million, it should be at least two, three million dollars for both schools before we even set foot over there. For the amount of money Absolutely. that we leave there. And especially when you consider they, that the city of Orlando gave Florida State four or five million dollars to bring mediocre Mississippi down there Mississippi. a couple years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Alabama played, what was it, Cincinnati and got six million dollars. Now that's Ridiculous. when's the last time? Yeah, when's the last time the two the two of us 
have, have, have gotten six million dollars from that city alone. See, so a lot of a lot of people think Mike, Mike wants the game back in Tampa. No, Mike wants the game in the city in this state that gives us the best bang for our dollar. If it's in Orlando, then fine. But let's put it out there for a bit. It, it's time to stop playing ourselves cheap. It, it, it's time to get what we're worth. If that if that means just rotating the game throughout the, the state every year, that's perfect. That that if if anything, that decreases the reliance on us having to make people go to a city they don't want to go to anymore. I mean, Orlando's cool in the game with me, but okay, when when we went there in, in 96, 97, those kids are grown now. Now those kids have kids. Are they are they still going to Orlando? You know, or I, I as as a as a person who sells tickets, it gets tougher for me every year because the people are aging out. You know, our, our diehards are physically unable to continue on. See, so that, that's my question. Okay, what do we do with Tallahassee? We've got to we've got to have a facility that gets the I don't want to say the jet factor in the Tallahassee because, like I say, sitting out there roasting. <laughs> And, and brag, that's not going to get those cute girls out there, man. I'm just telling you, cute girls. Hey, Mike, money. let's uh, let's mm-hmm. show people before we get ready to wrap the segment up. Let's show people the package, the uh, the travel package for the OBC. Um, we've got we've got the graphic that shows the travel package uh, right here. The mall and ball getaway. Uh, just uh, if you would go through that with everybody briefly you got about a minute here or so so let people know sure. what all comes with this package uh and, and where is it taking off from and of course all the contact information to learn more and to reach out to mike is there but go ahead mike sure the, the mall and ball weekend well the mall and ball getaway is a one-day trip from tampa florida so we're we're just going down for the day the game's at three o'clock in the afternoon so we're leaving from tampa but I've, I've had in interest from as far up as Brooksville. So if you're living up in Brooksville, if enough of you come, I'll, I'll originate the trip up there. We're picking up in St. Pete. We may pick up in Sarasota and Fort Myers as the demand warrants it. But it's a one-day trip. $99 includes your transportation. Now, we, we, we call it mall and ball because if you like to shop, we can drop you off at Sawgrass Mills. <laughs> so you can go and spend the <laughs> afternoon at Sawgrass Mills while the rest of us go and attend the game. So if you so if you'd like to go shopping at the world's largest outlet mall for the day, you can you're more than welcome to join us. So it's ninety nine dollars plus the ticket. So if you if you choose not to go to the game, you can stay at the mall. But uh, we've got club level tickets in the uh, between sections two thirteen and two twenty three which are right now the best seats in the house. Uh, We're offering those tickets for just $129, all inclusive, you know, in addition to the $99. So we've got a few seats on the bus, but I am running out of tickets. That is why I am, once we get off here, I'm about to take take and uh, honor some more orders and get those taken care of. So if you're looking for a ticket for the game, please give us a call or go to the website, justlookingout.com. And just place your order. So $99 gets you on the bus to and from, gets you to the mall. Cool. And then uh, in addition to if you want to buy the ticket 
for the suite level, that's 129. We, I know we've got a visual of the suite as well. Club level. So that's, that's club, level, club level, excuse me, club suite. level. Yeah, so yes. I'm, thank you. You got to be very important. You have to specify oh, yeah. club level. So that's a separate 129 there to do the club level. Uh, I, I think we've got the graphic there, which kind of just shows the, uh, the the club level as well. Uh, see if we can get that pulled up here quickly. Otherwise, we'll keep going. And that that's your club level view from inside at the Hard Rock Stadium. So that 129 ticket gets you into the nice club level area, so on and so forth. Um, and I know, um, so again, that's 99 that uh, gets you on the bus. Again, put the graphic up one more time, Mel, so that way people can can write that info down if they want to reach Mike. Oh, they, they can reach me at area code 813-240-3116 or my new additional number, which is 906 Road Dog. So it's not 906 Road Dog, which is right, 762-3364. So it's nine area code 906 Road Dog. So you can reach me that way too. All right, 906 Road Dog. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. And, of course, uh, Mike will also be running uh, an HBCU alumni party train to South Carolina for the FAMU South Carolina State game and uh, Clark Atlanta versus Allen games in October. Mm -hmm. The FAMU one-day road trips from Tampa to Tallahassee. The Jacksonville Express one-day road trips from Tampa to Jacksonville as well so i mean that's just some of the some of the packages and and those are like the the jacksonville express those are pro football games correct those are are the jaguars right the jaguars are playing the new york giants the baltimore ravens the la uh, the las vegas raiders and the dallas cowboys so we got a lot of fans wanting to go just for the date so we're like i said you give me a reason to get you out the house that's what i do JustLookingOut.com, that's the name of the website. Uh, Mike Road Dog Reed. Mike, appreciate you Ooh. coming on, sharing the info. Lots of great <laughs> ideas, Mike. Uh, very original stuff. Uh, I, I I will hit you offline because that your your one game idea is already being done by by some some school that I follow and, and they've had great success with it. They even throw out new uniforms every year, do these great cool videos and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, I mean, they, you know, they, that's just what they do. But anyway, uh, so it's not new. It's not, it ain't rocket science and it makes, not generates it's money. Not rocket science, it's just, it ain't right. Yeah, it's just getting the people. Take some, getting, take some creative yeah, people, people, some people that are committed and some people who know what the hell they're doing, uh, as we said. Can, so, I, can I also say one quick thing about the, the, yes. the party train to South Carolina? Yeah. We, we we initially started it as a trip from Miami to Columbia, South Carolina, but we, we're now looking for those up north, as far as New York, who may be interested in taking a train north down to Columbia. We, we've got a, a train from both directions of leaving around 11 o'clock that Friday. We all converge into Columbia, South Carolina, attend the, attend the games, and then get back on the trains early that morning coming back. It's going to be a great package. We're we're waiting on some finalized stuff. Uh, my South Southern Regional President is on another uh, conference call. So as soon as I can get the 
the parameters from him. We're going to have a package together that's going to knock your socks off. So if you're from New York to Miami, we're going to we're going to do a bang up package. We're going to have a great time all in the span of two, three days. All right. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for your time. Thanks for everything you do. And uh, we'll be in touch. We're going to see if we can try to make some things happen, especially come to Florida Classic time. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, oh, we're looking looking for some looking for some sponsors. Anybody who wants to sponsor uh, Florida Classic, holler at me. Holler at Mike. We got some opportunities. We got some things we want to do. So holler at us. All right. That's the new number. Nine oh six road dog. Nine oh six road dog. That's one G. All right. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks, Mike Reed. Thanks, Dr. Thank you. Lori. Uh, you're watching ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loop machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. For my people that don't get to see me Trying to remind you who you are Just like in Romans 3 See me about to blow across the world Just like a day that's breezy This motivation for the people And this classic Bible teaching say Make this for my people that don't get to see me Trying to remind you who you are Just like in Romans 3 See me about to blow across the world Just like a day that's breezy This motivation for the people And this classic Bible teaching Hey, hey, hey Motivation. It's been difficult because I hadn't been able to see my grandchildren. An expression on someone's face when you do something nice for them. I miss all my friends in school. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccine. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper.
All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kofi, Marcus Green filling in for Kelvin Rozier. Um, a bit of a news flash that I that I saw in the chat rooms during uh, during our last segment with uh, Dr. Lori and Mike Reed. Uh, the town hall meeting at uh, put on by the National Alumni Association. Uh, rumors are that not one mention of athletics, not one mention of athletics. Are you I, surprised? I, no, no, not not when I saw a video by not when I saw the president's video for nine minutes that didn't have one mention of athletics. No, I'm not surprised at all. Not I, you know, I I just wondered whether somebody tried to bring it up and it got filtered, you know, out, you know, like, hey, did your question get clipped? Uh, did they just not go to it? Um, I'm, I can't believe that nobody tried to ask an athletics-related question. I, I refuse to believe that nobody tried. Now, whether they whether they chose to give that question to Dr. Robinson is another story. But, again, uh, all right. So we got a lot to get through here in this last segment. Appreciate you guys watching wherever you are. Make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Uh, a lot of people on YouTube appreciate you, but uh, hit the hit that thumbs up button, okay? Make sure you are already subscribed to our page there. That's the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, uh, their uh, YouTube page. Uh, all of the shows that come on the Black College Sports Network air there. Um, you can also download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. My JBM, my BCSN is where you can find it on your Google Play and app. Uh, Apple store. Um, yo, real quick, Kofi, I, I, you know, we didn't mention this. I've seen the, vi the videos from Bandcamp that looked lit. I mean, that I, I almost cussed that. That was hot. That the Bandcamp looks so dynamic, man. It, I want give a, give a, a quick word or two about Bandcamp. If you will, please. I mean, it was great, man. The, 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 you know, um, the Bandcamp was really blessed. They had somebody to uh, help to offset a lot of the cost for the Bandcamp. So the price for the Bandcamp went down. People saw the value in uh, the most comprehensive Bandcamp in the United States, and they took advantage of it. I have, I have um, a ton of tennis clients here in Tallahassee, and most of them are Asian. And so uh, I was preparing to teach one of them and then the you know the mom called me and was like hey you know matthew is in the band camp i said what matthew is in the band camp the asian young man was down there on his knee with the saxophone i said that's my boy that's my boy <laughs> but look there's somebody out there um you know that helped to underwrite it i think that that's great and that's part of the stuff that we look to be knowing you'll be hearing more about it in the next couple of weeks it's going to be absolutely amazing dr Lori is in on it as well and so I, I'm telling you, uh, the band camp was absolutely amazing. It was the largest HBCU band camp in the country. And uh, that's the way it should be. And it's going to be even bigger and better next year. 600 students getting it done the way you got to get it done. Don't wait on somebody else. Do more with more. That, as the saying that uh, was was, was uh, charged by uh, by Kofi. Do more with more. All right. Let's really let's go back for a quick second. And mentioned the 2022 SWAC preseason honors that were dished out. Of course, you know, FAMU picked second in the Eastern Division. 
quote from Coach Simmons, we're honored to have six student athletes voted as preseason All-SWAC members. They're all well-deserving. Obviously, the goal is to have the most postseason All-SWAC performers, but this is definitely worthy of acknowledging. And they start, of course, with Isaiah Lamb, who was the preseason defensive player of the year and first-team All-SWAC defense. Uh, Xavier Smith, preseason All-SWAC first-team on offense. B.J. Bowler, preseason All-SWAC first-team defense. And we can uh, proudly say we've had all three guys on our show. So uh, shout-out to uh, B.J., Xavier, and uh, Isaiah. Um, although we had, I, you know, uh, let me see who else. Um, Jose, uh, Jose Romo Martinez made preseason all MEAC first team special teams as a place kicker. Uh, Cameron Colvin was a preseason all SWAC second team offense, offensive lineman. And, uh, Javon Morgan was the preseason all SWAC second team defensive back. Very surprised that the nation's leading punt returner, if I, I think I have that right, punt returner, Jamari Sharid was not yep. first or second Probably. team. Very surprised by that. Any other snubs that uh, you guys felt should have been acknowledged or somebody that should have been acknowledged, rather, on that uh, first or second team? And, again, of course, this is just preseason. Yeah. I don't know about preseason, but I think by the end of the season, General Hunt's going to be on this list. Yes, oh, I absolutely. agree. I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think uh, Lovey Jenkins come back here too. Yeah, okay. And I hope I got QBs. Yeah. And my guy yeah. from uh, from Texas A and M is going to be on there as well. So, you know, they don't know everybody that's coming through uh, the camp right now, and uh, I say that's just as well. Because this team, this FAMU Rattler football team is low and dead. Low and dead. This team is loaded. This is as loaded a team. I thought last year's team was loaded. This year's team is more loaded. Do you guys agree with – do you guys agree? Now, I think uh, 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 Gerald Thomas brought this up. about this being sort of a last dance kind of thing. And I, I mentioned that to Coach Simmons. He kind of he kind of laughed at that. And and I don't know, we'd be looking to see if that theme carries. But when I heard Zay Xavier Smith talking about how the level of accountability by guys, that just to me that and you and I can, it was just something different that you heard in his voice. And I don't know how it came off in the interviews, but in just talking to him. The, the level at which guys are showing their commitment to one another this year is another level. And so when I bring that whole thing up about or when he – and actually he mentioned here on our show a couple of weeks back, so I, I'm not taking any credit for it. Uh, but that whole last dance kind of theme around this squad, that I think there's truth to that. And so when we talk about this squad and what this team is going to potentially do – there's a sense of urgency among these guys. And it's it's starting with how they work during the summer and how they're holding guys accountable. So uh, I, I'm really excited. Yeah, Jordan Moore is a safety from uh, A&M, Kofi. I uh, saw that there in the chat. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, yeah. this team is super loaded. They're super dedicated. They're super disciplined. 
Um, they're looking to go to the next level, but they're going to need all of that. They're going to need all of it because every game is going to be super intense. UNC is going to be intense. Jackson State, we already know, is going to be super intense. Albany State is going to be super intense. Alabama A&M is going to be super intense. Mississippi Valley is going to be intense. South Carolina State wants to beat the brakes off of us. That game is going to be intense. Grambling is mad because of Thick 36. That's going to be intense. Um, (laughs) UAPB is going to be intense. You know, Lord knows the Southern game is going to be intense. Uh, And Alabama State, you know, with the bees, 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 with the bees and the moving and all the other stuff that Scott and them was selling out about and everything, they going to be intense. And the Florida Classic is always intense. We got to bring it every single game. But we have the depth in place that if this team stays focused, we're going to be all right. Hey, uh, I'm going to jump around here telling our producer, let's go uh, some news that came out. Now, we've already been we've already been a little buzzed and stressed about the fact that we've lost two coaches, two head coaches in the past week. Uh, You know, uh, Mike Rice resigned uh, last Monday. Uh, the golf coach, uh, Constance Orr, the softball coach, resigned after two seasons as the head coach. Uh, the previous five, she was the assistant coach. And, you know, I know there's been some – that one was real quiet under the radar, although she, you know, she did inform her team uh, on the same day of that. So I don't know if she will pop up coaching somewhere else, but I'm, 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 I'm very curious about that resignation given – you know, she she that team was six and twenty-two. Then it transitioned to an eighteen and thirty-one team, even five hundred record in conference. A lot of people are critical of her two-year record, but that team was coming from the bottom. You know, I mean, hell, if you want to see transition, that team was three and seventeen in in, in Veronica Wiggins' last season, uh, and that I mean, obviously, COVID had a lot of issues with that last year but that team had got better each year so why she left i'm very curious to know more um and even same thing with uh mike rights you know why he left we, we i'd want to know more but this one is curious right on the day before camp uh we've got an we've got our defensive coordinator leaving and uh well, he was already uh, he was already been gone we learned about that last Brent, week Brandon yeah, Sharp we heard about him. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, See, I, I, I didn't. On, um, yeah, that was on. Um, I want to say Football Scoop or some other place that he was going to be leaving. I mean, so it still hurts right before camp, but it's not like the rug got pulled out okay. from under us. Well, I, I just saw the report. There was the there was the you know the thank you flyer, which uh, thank you graphic, which comes out uh, as he's headed off to Purdue. Uh, but still, the timing is like, huh? You know, you're that was, I, look, you know, I, we still have Smitty and Coach had already made additional additions to the uh, the staff. I mean, we're stacked, bro, even coaching wise. Now, the football team is the least of my worries right now. Um, you know, people always come in. I mean, we lost after we lost Black, you know, that was a big deal. And this, you know, this actually used to happen somewhat with uh, Coach Joe's staff because we had such. I want to say a quality coaching staff, and we were getting wins, you know, that people people want quality coaches on their staff. Even Coach Taylor, Coach Joe Taylor had 
uh, our special teams coordinator that also got taken um, to Purdue. We've kind of like been through this before, but Coach Simmons is prepared. I, I'm not um, overly concerned because, you know, Coach Smith is a darn good coach. Um, he's proved himself last year and the fact that they were co-coordinators and uh, they had a lot to do with it. And you have such an experienced defense coming back. Those guys have a good idea of what they need to do um, to be successful. So I, I think we're in pretty good hands with that. That being said, we as alums have to do what we need to do to apply additional pressure on the administration to speed up this process with our AD. It is imperative that we get that in order. It is imperative that the budget for the athletic department increase. The next BOT meeting, that 100% has to happen. Otherwise, again, we're operating behind the eight ball and it's not a good thing. You know, we, we need to stop this mentality uh, with our administration of having just enough or less than enough. We are doing more with less. At this point, FAMU deserves to be doing more with more. And the only way that's going to happen is, A, we step up our giving, step up our commitment, but we also need to apply enough pressure so that the accountability is, is, is stepped up so that they understand that we actually give a damn. We give a damn I know, about I know every athletics. We care about our academics. We care about the band program. And we care about we care about what goes on on the highest of seven hills on all levels. And we want to win. Darn it. I know everybody want I know everybody wants to speed up the process with the athletic director position, but I'm okay with Michael Smith in this interim position right now. Me, and, I, me, and here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Because whoever comes in, it's not like Michael Smith is going to hand that guy the book or or female. I'm not, I don't know. Just hand that person a book and say, there you go. There's going to be a period of transition. There's going to be a period of transition. And, Absolutely. If, and Absolutely. you know, what, whatever the issues are, as to why coach it's a budget there's budgeting issues yes that there we understand that there's some budgeting issues that is the bigger problem i would say more so than the fact that we don't have the permanent ad i mean we've got somebody who wants these guys to be successful he nobody i had the conversation i had a great 20 minutes with michael smith at swat media day i'm 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 more in the camp of seeing the kind of person who wants to see the young men and women in our athletic programs for FAMU be successful. Now, look, we didn't get into talking about the nuts and bolts of how we're going to get there. Not yet, but I'm still hoping to have that conversation with him. But whoever comes in, it's going to take a transition period, Kofi. It may not. It may end up being somebody I, who starts know that. in January. I know that. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Here's my issue, right? And I love the, I love my brother Mike Smith. He is articulate. He's going to give you the political line. He's going to do all of that stuff. But in terms of getting things done, uh, and pushing the bar, yeah, I'm not I'm not all that convinced now. I mean, obviously we got to keep them all till January. 
And right now, we are, athletics is in a crisis. I want to be clear. Athletics is in a crisis. We don't have uh, several coaches. The, the new AD has got to come in, literally understanding that we got to hire a track, somebody to oversee track, somebody to oversee softball, and you got to be able to have your list of short list of coaches in all of our sports because anything can happen. And all of that matters, not to mention facilities and fundraising and all of that stuff. They've got to you don't think Mike Smith you don't you don't think Mike Smith is gonna hire that person? You don't think Mike Smith is gonna hire that person? No, you don't don't want him to hire that person. He's the interim. But you but you gotta have somebody. You have to have somebody though. So when the new guy comes in within a month or so. Why would you have the interim to hire somebody? You got an AD that would have to deal with that. No, Mike's not going to hire the new softball coach and not going to hire the new track coach. He's not. If he had done that, he should have been hired Darlene Moore a long time ago. That should have been happening. So it's ridiculous. You know, at Mm -hmm. the same time, I'm ready for this person to come in. We need to be ready with guns blazing. They need to be ready with guns blazing. You know, and again, yeah, they got to have a short list already prepared, already ready with all of the sports and all of the positions that need to be filled. But most importantly, in order for family to be competitive for this year and beyond, the budget has to increase, which is a whole nother uh, conversation that we have to have that whoever is in charge really has to have, you know, with our BOT and with the alumni so that that can happen. And there's Search Zoom meeting meetings. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. That is an open forum. It is open to the public. Uh, yeah. I, I believe there was a um, – so I don't know. Kent, I know I just saw there's Kenya a landing page. There's a landing page that has a link to the Zoom. I was hoping it had the minutes for the past meetings, but I couldn't find it. I saw the NAA yeah. had a couple meetings from May and June, but I haven't seen any any meetings meeting minutes yet but there is a zoom that they've been holding weekly and i guess they canceled the one on holidays or rescheduled where is that landing page at who's got the website or web page is that uh i can send it to you yeah or or ken uh i know kenya's there uh if you can put that in the in the chat feed marcus yeah send that to me if you know where that page that way folks can go see that uh, hey, yep. Dwayne Sweet, I wanted to give you some good news because you're, you're searching, hey, where's the good news? So, hey, FAMU football will appear on television, um, linear as well as digital, at least seven games this year, uh, this upcoming season, of course, beginning week zero against North Carolina, uh, 8 p.m. That'll be on the ACC Network. Week one's game against Jackson State will be on ESPN2. Week Two's game against Albany State. That's a 5 p.m. kickoff right now. That's going to appear on HBCU Go TV. Um, of course, they signed a a new deal with the SWAT. Uh, so that's one of two games that they will carry. Uh, Alabama A&M Week Four. That's a home game. That's a 6 p.m. kick. That will be on ESPN Plus. Homecoming in Week Nine against UAPB will be televised by HBCU Go. The following week, week 10 versus Southern, I believe that's the 5th of November. That's a 6 p.m. That game will be on ESPNU. And then week 11, the Florida Classic 
will be on ESPNU. They don't have the time, but typically, what, the Classic is either at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. Eastern start, typically. So, you know, they're, you know, even though they don't have it listed, that's probably what time it'll be. Hey, also, FAMU announced the game day colors for this upcoming. Uh, we've got five home games. So uh, the color combination and I think the acknowledgments for each of those games uh, will be posted. Uh, if my producer has that for you guys who are watching. You will see that here in a second. Let me see if she gets it pulled up or I'm going to have to find the graphic. Uh, so these are the colors and themes for the season. Uh, yep, there we go. Uh, the home, first home game, the Jake Gaither Classic. That's uh, the white, wearing all white, I'm assuming. Um, September 24th, the Alabama A&M game is Youth and Community Day. That's uh, Green Day. October mm-hmm. 1st. Sophie, I'm going to need you to get me a green shirt. I'm going to be at that game. Let's go. I got okay. you. <laughs> October 1st against Valley, wear pink. It's Breast Cancer Awareness, Parents and Family Weekend also. October 24th, homecoming against UAPB, wearing orange. And then November 5th is the blackout against Southern Senior Night, Military Appreciation Night. Now, seeing all these color combinations and themes brought up an interesting little uh, discussion that I saw on Twitter. Uh, Thanks to Kenya. I know Kenya Sykes had posted out the 12, actually, and I, 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 I think it's 11. You guys tell me that even Coach Rios said it was 12. I counted 11. These are the 12 games, our uniform combinations. Now, if you notice, we do wear orange helmet, white top, white pants twice. Okay? So I think we only had 11 combinations. I know it was going around that we only – we didn't wear the same uniform combination, maybe during the regular season, because I think one of those was a playoff. Oh, that game. was postseason. The last one is postseason. Okay, so in the regular season, we wore eleven combinations uh, and eleven different. Now we have eighteen color combinations. So what that means is there are seven combinations that are still we have not worn. Um, and I did a quick little combination and you tell me guys which ones you want us these are the ones we have not seen yet white helmets there are the white helmet with the orange top and green shorts uh the white helmets with the orange top and orange bottom the white helmet with the green top and orange bottom and the white helmet with the white top and orange pants. Although, let me make sure. Go back, pull that picture up again, Mel, with the 12. White helmet, white top. Oh, no, yeah, that's okay. So I just wanted to make sure. So those are the five that we haven't worn with the white helmets, right? Uh, and then with the orange, the only two combination with the orange helmet that we have not worn is orange helmet with orange top and white pants. And orange helmet, green top, and white pants. And we haven't had orange helmet, orange top, green bottoms. Say that again? Correct, yeah. Orange helmet, orange top, and green bottom. You're right. Green bottoms or white with that. You're right. There's three. The white helmet with that. 
uh, orange and green. Yep, you're correct. You're correct. So those are those are the six. Is that right? One, two, three, seven. Those are the seven combinations that we haven't worn this year. So it'll be interesting to see if we if we wear those seven and then uh, go back. A lot of people are asking about a black combination. I'm. What is your? What are you guys? Where are you with the black helmet, black combinations? Well, you know, I, when you look at the Cleveland Browns and you see the Cincinnati Bengals and what they have done with their orange concepts with black, I think it'll be similar to that. Um, you know, or you see what UM does with their black uniforms. It'll be similar to that. It won't be the same, but it'll be similar. So, you know. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I mean, I messed around with Photoshop like 10 years ago and tried to mock up some stuff. And then when we wore the black <laughs> uniform, I was like, ugh, it just doesn't. See, but we, you know, the we thing is, that. we sucked then. We we were not good. <laughs> we sucked. And yeah, we you were can't, trying to you wear, can't black wear black and be sucked. bad. Yeah, yeah we you can't sucked. be bad and wear black. That, that's just, yeah, it's you, just we really. Sucked. We really were bad. You know, it's and then just we too had much the nerve of a deviation. Day, but, you know, we played South Carolina State with the black uniforms, and we all that was a game that went to overtime, a game that we I, could that have was, That won. was dark gray. Are you talking about uh, the that one with uh, Stanley? That was black. That was black. You're talking about that with Ryan Stanley? Earl Holmes was the coach. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're okay. an interim. Right, right, he was right. an interim coach yes. at the time. Yeah. Right. We had the gunmetal gun gray or the dark gray uniforms, yeah. mm-hmm. which yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like those better than the black. Um when you look at the color, somebody had mentioned in the chat room about the, the the face mask combinations too. I didn't even think about. I mean, are we are we are we breaking it down to that level as well when we talk about these combinations? Where well, we're when you have an different- equipment manager that knows what they're doing, they 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 line all that stuff up. So I trust who we have behind the scenes to make us look good to make sure that we are coordinated, to make sure that we're coordinated properly so that the bling bling is on their right. And uh, I trust that the people that we have behind the scenes know what they're doing. But uh, we got enough combinations, and I'm I'm happy with them. The uniforms don't win the games. The team does. And so we need our team uh, to be ready, man. I think that, uh, obviously, we are on the cuspus. That's a Dr. Foster's word. We're on the cuspus (laughs) of an amazing year, people. I'm here to tell you that the orange and green can obviously go ahead and do some phenomenal things. And I'm looking for the fam you rattlers to bring home the sweat championship all the way to Bragg Memorial Stadium and to the ATL. So Jackson State, go fix those potholes and get your stuff together. Because the orange and green is gonna be ready. <laughs> Marcus, before we before we wrap, uh, big news: some latest commitments for FAMU football just days before the start of the season. Uh, run, run, if you would, run through those two or three of the latest names that uh, decided to commit to FAMU. Uh, one of them we. We mentioned last week we weren't sure whether he was a commitment or not, uh, and then one of them came from uh, an in-state school. Yeah, so 
Wait, last week, uh, I guess near the end of the show, we mentioned Christopher Williams, a uh, transfer from Florida State, uh, from local Tallahassee, 6'7", 300-pound, 320-pound offensive lineman and played at Rickards. And Marquez Phillips, a wide receiver from D.C., played at Virginia State, uh, Division Two, And he, and there was something floating on Instagram last week about committing, but from his official account, earlier this week or late last week, you know, he committed, he's a wide receiver. He's going to add to the rack boys, um, Anthony Jones running back from out of Lakeland and actually, you know, to Lakeland, we're noticing an uptick in the Polk County folks coming through. So let's Anthony go Jones and running back. Yep. Running back, uh, went to Pitt for a few four years. Star running back. Yep. Four star running back. He transferred to James Madison. Doesn't look like he played any, and then he got back in the portal for this year. So we got him at the running back to add to the stable. And recently, just yesterday, Finley Graham, uh, 5'9", 170-pound athlete, also out of Lakeland, uh, committed to us. He left the University of Florida. And there's some articles in terms of his usage down in Florida. He started out as a DB athlete uh, with significant return capability. And so they were going to use him in that capacity. And then earlier this spring, uh, the new coach, Billy Napier, transferred him on the offensive side of the ball. And then I guess over the summer, maybe about a month ago, just over a month, he and two other two mate, teammates, I guess there's an NCAA uh, bylaw that allows coaches to make roster changes. And he and two other teammates were basically informed that, you know, they're no longer part of the part of the plan. So he jumped in the portal, he and his other two teammates, and he decided to come with FAMU as of, as of yesterday. So to speak to Kofi's point about being loaded, you look at the at the roster we have now, I think we're loading up. We've got talent and depth all over the place, just about every position. And so, you know, we're going to fight for the long haul, playing UNC, and then the whole slugfest is going to be the swag. So I think last year, I know we had some key people get hurt or get injured or get dinged. And even if you look at the playoff game, in the last couple games, you know that Jamari Sharid looked a little banged up. I think he took a severe hit either in the Florida Classic or the game before, and it seemed like he wasn't was the, the same. So, so when you take that into effect and you look, at we just got uh, Finley Graham, another return person that you can add X-Man to or any of the other wide receivers. So we got the return game plus the, the return of uh, our All-American punter, a kicker that made uh, – who filled in for him after a Fedora now with a knee injury. So he got depth at special teams. You look at the offensive line. We've been bringing in a lot of offensive linemen, having people come in to add to the depth and quality. Wide receivers, the same thing. So we're going to have pieces that are going to be able to mix and match and not have any drop-off in talent. And so I think, like Kobe said, we're really deep. We're really loaded. And I think just going through – the SWAC again and seeing everybody load up with transfers, but also knowing how tough it is that Coach Simmons has built up the team to be able to minimize any drop off due to injury during the course of the season. Um, coming up in the upcoming shows, we're going to do some some real breakdowns of not only. The non-conference season is very important for the SWAT. Um, you know, one of the things that I that I hear, you know, Coach Prime talk about, and 
and I mentioned him because we all seem to listen and, and, you know, it carries a lot of weight when he talks. He talks about being able to compete against the best and have success against them. Well, you know, it's great that, you know, we, we can't just be satisfied with what we do in the swag. We mm-hmm. have to perform. So as we watch all of these programs and these transfers, I mean, you know, rebuilt rosters with transfers, what they do, how the coaching responds and and prepares for these non-conference games in the first three weeks of the season, I think will say loads. I mean, the, the history has not been great for the SWAC. Uh, so, I mean, if you were a betting man, you would probably bet against the SWAC in probably most of these non-conference games. But hopefully they will surprise. And so we'll kind of take a look at some of the non-conference matchups. Not only, obviously, we're aware of FAMUs, but we'll just kind of look at the other teams as well. We're going to start to break down North Carolina as well. We're going to give you give you guys uh, some look in, a look into what North Carolina has coming back, what we can expect from North Carolina. So, I mean, there's plenty of games and film to watch. Obviously, we do know one thing. They'll have a new signal caller this year. So that's probably the biggest uh, thing for North Carolina. But uh, there's more to them than just that signal caller. And so we'll get a chance to kind of dig deep. And I think as we start to look at position breakdowns, guys, let's start in the interior. You know, we can go and talk about the Rat Boys and the quarterback and the DBs, but let's talk next week. Let's dig deep into the trenches, the O-line and the D-line. That's where championships are going to be won, and especially if we're going to have any kind of success and hold our own in week zero against North Carolina, it's going to be in the trenches. So let's start there as we start to break down our position groups. Uh, Well, obviously, by the time we come on, uh, I think, let's see, FAMU has a five-day period where they have, well, they'll go through working out mm-hmm. without full contact. So there's about five-day period. Uh, I don't know if they're practicing Sunday or not. So essentially, we're talking Friday, Saturday. Worst case, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If they do something on Sunday, then that means the first day for live contact will be Wednesday uh, next week. So by our show next week, We'll, we'll we'll hopefully have some sort of indication of of a few things, and uh, you know we'll we'll uh, we'll try to bring you guys some info on that. So uh, that's gonna do it. Wrap up this show, and uh, I know upcoming volleyball will be starting up. We'll try to dig deep and see what the, the non conference schedule hasn't been released yet for volleyball. I'm hopeful that over the course of the next few days it will, and we'll get a chance to see what the uh, SWAC champions, uh, our Lady Rattlers, will be looking like as they will begin camp, I believe, next week, uh, first first day or first week of August. So their camp will be coming up soon. We're, we're trying to do some things and see if we can uh, uh, create some, some opportunities and do some, some live stuff in Tallahassee there with them. So, um, Kofi, uh, you've been obviously lot, lots, lots to say today real quick. You have a final word before we get out of here. No season's here now, buddy. I'm like a kid getting ready for Christmas in July and August and everything It's and it's hot as the Dickens. I'm excited. It's here. Football camp begins tomorrow. Band camp begins. 
within the next week or so, we it's here. So let's get this going. I'll- All right, uh, Marcus, uh, any any words uh, before we close out as we uh, we wrap up the show? I'm excited. I just can't wait to see how things are going to look. I mean, uh, the expectations are high. Um, Coach Simmons has already said it multiple times, and it's already shown in the preseason rankings. So we just have to see where the rubber meets the road. But I think yep. we're I think we're ready for it. All right. Yep. Expect greatness. Do more with more, and let's hold our leaders accountable. Let's ask the questions why. So uh, that's my charge to all of you. Let's ask the questions why. Why not? Why isn't this being done? Let's ask. We, we won't get any answers if we don't ask. Let's hold them accountable. Uh, we'd like to thank again Dr. Lori Wilson and Mike Reed, Mike Road Dog Reed, for joining us in our Alumni Spotlight segment. If you have uh, an alum with a, with, a, with a business that you think we ought to spotlight as well, send us an email, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. Let us know. Send a recommendation. We'd love to hear from you. Our show will be on the BCSN Pod Zone in podcast format. You can find the BCSN Pod Zone everywhere you listen and download podcasts Google, uh, Spotify, Apple, iHeart. It's all there. Just search BCSN Pod Zone. You'll find our show. And as always, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. And the replays will be alive and available on Twitter. Uh, Hopefully, Kelvin Rozier will be feeling better, and he'll be back next week. Uh, We hope our brother gets well, stays safe. Uh, Thank you to our producer, Melody Lucas. And for Rattler Nation, you guys be smart, stay safe. Don't forget to strike, strike, and strike again, Rattler Nation. Be good. Peace out. Oh, my God.